0: Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. This week, we continue our study of the Gospel of Mark. Also, keep your eyes and ears open for a new podcast we're launching on Monday, December 4th, the Creative Thinking Podcast with Kim Thomas. It'll begin with three weeks focusing on the Advent season. You can subscribe now in your favorite podcast app. Now for this week,
1: here's Pastor Jim. Hey, so glad you've joined me again today for our continuing study of Mark's gospel. Moving into chapter 7 of Mark's gospel now. Chapter 6, the previous one had uh, some of the miracles of Jesus recorded. Now we're going to move into a a teaching moment or two. Here he gets surrounded from the beginning here of chapter 7 by some Pharisees and some scribes. They work together. They they are sort of an unholy alliance between them and the Herodians and the Sadducees. Some of these non likely allies in general, and yet because they're all against Jesus, and we've been told that explicitly here in Mark's gospel and the other gospels as well, that they come seeking to entrap Jesus. They seek to discredit Jesus. They seek to even destroy Jesus, as we've seen uh, already. And so each of these moments is filled with tension, and they're uh, these religious leaders that are, you know, Uh, in their own day and time, quite well respected. And so publicly, he, Jesus, has bested them many times in arguments and debates, and they've been confronting him over and over again with these sort of hypothetical situations. And um, it is to their own discrediting, their own shame as Jesus often just by asking, they ask him a question, and then he asks, answers by asking them a question that they can't answer. So let's see what happens here in uh, Mark chapter seven, verses one through 13, and then I'll make a couple of comments. Uh, if, uh, if religion itself, formal religion, uh, and sort of stuffy, uh, arrogant, hypocritical religion has ever uh, irked you, you might uh, find this passage uh, interesting at the very least. I know I do. So the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered together around him when they had come from Jerusalem. And so here comes the varsity team, if you will, the the A team. You know, this this is the uh, the group from the big town from Jerusalem, which would have been the religious capital of Israel. And they had seen that some of his disciples were eating their bread from impure hands, that is, unwashed hands, And um, Mark makes this very clear for us. Um, And then in sort of a parenthetical uh, statement or two here in verse three, he says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders, and note that as distinct from the commandments of God. Okay. So thus they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. And so again, they have these traditions of men and they uh, are incensed that the disciples of Jesus are not observing the traditions of men shows really uh, as as Mark records for us uh, and and by the way this is another reason why we think he's writing with the Roman audience in mind he's having to explain some of this stuff that for Jews would have been understood well what happens well verse 5 says the Pharisees and the scribes asked him meaning Jesus Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? And, you know, credit them for the honesty of their question in the sense of, you know, they're they're sort of, why why don't they respect the tradition of the elders? They didn't say, why don't they respect the laws of God? Um, Jesus responds, verse 6, and said to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites... (laughs) as it is. See how bold and right up front and clear he is to their question. (laughs) He just calls them hypocrites, actors, pretenders, posers, if you will, Uh, mask wearers. And then he goes on um, to to quote from Isaiah chapter 29, I believe. Uh, And he says, for rightly, as Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips. In other words, that's where we get this whole lip service kind of phrase, the idea from. But their heart is far away from me, but in vain do they worship me. teachings as Teaching as doctrines, the precepts of men. And this is, you know, you could go right past this and not pay attention to what he's saying. He's, Jesus is basically saying to them, there's a real difference between um, the, uh, the, the the teachings of God um, and, and the precepts of men. And I think that's really important for us to know in our own day and time as well. Verse eight, one, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Verse nine, he was also saying to them, you nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. So, neglecting the commandment of God and setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him be put to death. I mean, Moses, quite clear, and Moses, the one that these Pharisees and scribes would have revered, honored, respected. He was their hero in in every way. And um, then Jesus, verse 11 says, But you say, if a man says to his father or his mother, anything of mine that you might have been helped by is Corbin, And that's a term that, uh, and Mark clarifies for us, that is to say, it's committed to or given to God. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down and you do many things such as that. And so there's three things that Jesus is accusing these Pharisees and scribes of. Neglecting the commandment of God, setting aside the commandment of God and invalidating the word of God by your traditions, when um, uh, which you have handed down and you do many things such as that. So they hand down their traditions. They're making sure everybody respects their traditions, but they have neglected the word of God, the commandments of God, and they've laid aside or set aside the commandment of God in order to keep their tradition. So you can see what's happening here, can't you? Uh, In all three of those accusations by Jesus that they've neglected the commandment of God, they've, they've set aside the commandment of God, and they've invalidated the word of God, all in favor of their traditionalism. And so let's just... You know in our own day and time let's see how this might help us might apply to us in our own spiritual walk um i i've got three highlights i'd like to offer these will be in the show notes and i hope you'll you'll check those out on the platform that you are listening uh from or that you're watching on uh if they if you can't find them there just get jump to the website thevillagechapel.com and you should be able to find it under uh, the resources page i believe it is but number one look at the treadmill of traditionalism and i i use the word treadmill here in a pejorative sense okay Uh, treadmills are are good for exercise, but they're not good for traveling from one place to another. Most of you will know this. All of you who have ever bought one and then later sold it in your yard sale or on eBay or something like that, you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, Again, good for exercise, not so good for traveling from one place to another, making any kind of progress, whatever. Traditional ism, uh, is a treadmill. Um, It won't result in any progress. It will get you nowhere, (laughs) absolutely nowhere. Um, And if that's where you want to go, maybe treadmill of traditionalism will work for you. Um, It does allow you to walk the same path over and over and over again, and perhaps dig a deeper rut wherever you happen to be taking your walk or your stand. I love... uh, Uh, A guy named Yaroslav Pelikan, who has been a a church historian, and uh, he has a writing called The Vindication of Tradition. He says, tradition is the living faith of those now dead, but traditionalism is the dead faith of those still living. That's what we have here as these Pharisees and scribes approach Jesus, traditionalism. It's living people, but a dead faith. And that's what Jesus points out to them. Um, Tradition, according to Yaroslav Pelikan, is not a bad thing in and of itself. He says it's the living faith of those now dead. And so handing down tradition is not a bad thing but it's the ism that becomes the bad thing. That's, that's when we get into uh, sort of a dead faith of, of living people and we've, we've elevated our traditions uh, to the same level as the word of God, which is what Jesus is accusing these folks of doing. As they have neglected the commandment of God, they've set aside the commandment of God and, uh, and they've invalidated the word of God. So the word of God should be living and active in our lives um and if our Tradition is elevated to the same level as the Word of God, it's now moved into traditional ism. It's it's become an ism and that's not going to do us any good. It's like a treadmill and we're not going to make any spiritual progress with that. Maybe if you find yourself stalled out or you feel like you're just in the same old rut all the time in terms of your spirituality or your your relationship with the Lord, maybe it's time to get back to actually the Word of God. Uh, Or perhaps even further than that, it's time to get back to the Living Word, Jesus Himself, and maybe we've lost sight of that as we've uh, bored into a deeper rut of being right all the time uh, with doctrine or precept or whatever it might be, uh, or a practice that we, you know, we've 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 allowed it to become lifeless because uh, Jesus Himself no longer um, the object. Of our practice, or our, our, and that could be our prayers, that could be our uh, uh, sacraments, that could be so many different things that become ritual and dead because, again, Jesus Himself is no longer the main object of this thing. The thing itself has taken precedence, has become uh, higher in value to us than Jesus Himself. So the treadmill. Of traditionalism. Secondly, notice the arrogance of addendum. We see that in this passage as well. Um, uh, this I, we need to add to <laughs> the commandments of God. We need to add to set aside the Word of God and promote this interpretation and application of ours or of our favorite, you know, leader, our favorite uh, Bible teacher. In their particular case, our favorite Old Testament. Uh, teacher or our favorite rabbi, whomever it might be, whether it was Rabbi Aqaba, um, there There's so many different ones. And they became fans of the school of that particular rabbi uh, to the point where whatever the rabbi taught, they swallowed it hook, line, and sinker and kept on with that. So there becomes an arrogance of addendum where we think um, that our particular interpretation and application um, the system; it might be a, you know, a systematic, for instance, and I think we have to be careful about embracing entire systems of of theology in the sense that we might soon find ourselves to be a disciple of uh, Jacob Arminius or John Calvin or somebody else could be a modern day, you know, uh, I'll name these guys, Uh, Tim Keller, (laughs) John MacArthur, John Piper, those guys, if they become more important to us, their system wholesale, more important to us than the Holy Spirit speaking to us through scripture, I think we've fallen into the arrogance of addendum. We need what they say to understand what God has already said. And what God continues to say by the Holy Spirit leading us and teaching us. So somehow God's wisdom um, from God's word, which describes God's ways and God's will, somehow just wasn't enough for these Pharisees and scribes. And somehow it's just not enough for modern day versions of the same. And I know I'm probably making some of you a little uncomfortable, but I gotta tell you, I'm a recovering Pharisee myself. Um, and I want no—I don't want anyone to be a disciple of Pastor Jim. I want you to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, So that's really, really important for all of us to keep in mind. Some days, whoever you're, if you're, if you're following somebody other than Jesus, that person's gonna let you down. That person's gonna fail you. That person is, you know, their teaching, their system, and all of that is gonna be corrupt in some way. That's why we stay. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We don't fix our eyes on Pastor Jim or any other pastor or priest or theologian, living or dead. John Stott, Pharisaic righteousness was an outward conformity to human traditions. Christian righteousness is an inward conformity of mind and heart to the revealed will of God. Here's the gospel, right? Um, God made him, Jesus, the Father made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Um, 2 Corinthians 5:21, great verse, really something we've got to hold on to. This is uh this is for recovering Pharisees, this is for uh people who might hear this and are a Pharisee and need to repent from that as quickly as possible and uh, get away from their legalism. Listen, you might be leaning into legalism if you are trying to control the word of God, uh, the interpretation and application of it, Um, if you try to complicate the word of God by adding superfluous application uh, to it, and the Pharisees certainly had done that. Uh, when you can contradict the word of God by denying grace or a range of latitude, for instance, in the application of Jesus' instruction. I love this quote by Sinclair Ferguson from The Whole of Christ, and I'll close with this. Pastors need themselves to have been mastered by the unconditional grace of God. From them, the vestiges of a self-defensive Phariseeism and conditionalism need to be torn. Like the Savior, they need to handle bruised reeds without breaking them and dimly burning wicks without quenching them. And I'm going to say what he just said there, that goes not just that. I think that applies not just to pastors, but to you as you share your faith with your family, um, whether it's over a holiday meal or just a a regular ongoing gathering, whatever. Uh, I spoke to somebody recently who was telling me that in their family unit, Uh, They have to just, they've just gotten to the place where they know there are going to be some trigger subjects that are going to just light people up. And they just wisely have chosen to avoid talking about those subjects, but they can still talk about the Lord because they're all, they're Christians in their family. They just happen to see some things differently. And I think that's really, really wise to do that. "'Pastors,' I'll say Christians, Sinclair Ferguson again, "'need themselves to have been mastered "'by the unconditional grace of God. "'From them, the vestiges of self-defensive Phariseeism "'and conditionalism need to be torn. "'Like the Savior, they need to handle bruised reeds "'without breaking them, "'and dimly burning wicks without quenching them.'" What is a godly pastor after all, or a godly Christian after all, but one who is like God with a heart of grace, someone who sees God bringing prodigals home and runs to embrace them, weeps for joy that they've been brought home, and kisses them asking no questions, no qualifications or conditions required. That's great. That's from Sinclair Wisdom, the whole of Christ. May it be the disposition of my heart and of your heart today toward others. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage. Uh, Jesus, thank you for your patience with all of these um, self-righteous religious folk that kept confronting you and trying to catch you in things. Um, uh, Thank you that uh, you also, your spirit lives within us. And so give us the grace uh, uh, to be gracious toward others. Uh, I know you've already done that just in receiving us, we sinners, uh, inviting us to come to you and be forgiven. And so so perhaps my prayer is more rightly, open our eyes to the grace that you've shown to us. Um, We didn't deserve it. Uh, You didn't somehow owe it to us. Help us to be gracious now toward others. Um, in like manner, that you have been gracious to us, Lord. And help us walk in the joy uh, and the love and the freedom of that grace this day. We pray in Christ's name for his glory and say amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for
0: listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At The Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.